You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the ever-reviled and soon-to-be worldwide. <laughs> it's kind of worldwide now. It's getting that way. Episode 25. Mm-hmm. We are officially an adult show. Yeah. We are officially up there in age, starting to look in the mirror and think about how we take care of our skin and... Mm-hmm. And maybe not drink so much because of the wrinkles and put sunscreen on because of our, our sun damage. Well, not me, but yeah, most it's, people. I'm truly personifying what we've got going on here. Mm-hmm. I am Jesse Dollimore. Across from me is Brittany Page. That's me. This is I Doubt It, your twice weekly source of ridiculous news. Or news. actually, not ridiculous news. <laughs> it's news. And ridiculous comment. I thought it was every time we said news, we had to do that news. News. Well, news. I catch myself saying it that way. That's oh, why okay. we right. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, getting a little housekeeping out of the way, we admonish you, beg you, grovel at your feet to rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, and that's please. not that's not to shit on other venues or conveyances relative to how you get the show. If you listen on Stitcher. We would beg you to do that. It's just iTunes seems to be the big dog, and I'm not opposed to monopolies, so I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. So get at us on iTunes and Stitcher. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your clergy. They especially need to listen. And uh, Facebook, Twitter, and blah blah blah. If you happen to find your way onto the website dollamore.com, and you're yearning to buy a book or a juicer, Amazon sells juicers, right? Yeah, they sell everything. Then uh, you can buy it on the website, and it will go a short way to helping us recoup costs, like all the costs that we have. Yes. Because I have to eat, everybody. Yeah, you do. And I'm doing a charity here. It's not fucking charity work. It's not. It's kind of aggressive toward the audience, isn't it? Yeah, you're being a little hateful. Let's yeah, well, let's tone it down. I think that's why they fucking tune in. Hey, Elliot Roger, let's cool it, <laughs> all right? Well, uh, we were doing some show prep recently in a coffee shop, as it were, since we like coffee. It's kind of a... It's so typical. That's kind of a dumb statement, saying you like coffee. It's like, it's like saying, yeah, I really like music. Yeah, fuck, everybody likes music, asshole. Everybody does not yeah. like coffee. Yeah, but going to a coffee... Yeah, maybe not. There's many people who There's don't a lot like of coffee. dumb people out there. You're right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, coffee shop is not necessarily for coffee, though. It's it's a social interaction. Yeah, it for sure is. People meet there and they can get things other than coffee, or they can get you know those foo foo coffee drinks, a frappuccino, yeah, white that, chocolate that, mocha. That, calling that a coffee drink is fucking blasphemy. See, I believe the freedom of speech is a ubiquitous freedom that we have, except for that. Yeah. You, I don't believe you. By the way, I want to let everybody know. I just made eye contact with our our in studio guest, 
Um, you'll, he's going to say hi, and you'll barely hear him. Say hi, everybody. Jonathan? Hi, everybody. All right. He said what I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have a, a, a silent partner here in, in studio with us today. He's going to be listening in, and who knows? Maybe I'll drag him over to a microphone and have him talk. But anyway, I digress. I think that saying that a Frappuccino being a coffee drink is blasphemy. Yeah, I'm sure that all the hipsters who hang out at coffee shops would agree with you. The, the people that hang out, well, at this particular coffee shop. This particular one specifically, yes. Yeah, well, I think every coffee, because every time I've been in a Starbucks, it's filled, it, it's stacks of Apple products. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like a... It's a bit. It's almost like an Apple Store. Is that what they're called? Or are they Mac stores? Apple Store. Apple Store. Apple Store. I think you you walk into this coffee shop and it's just a sea of lit apples. I think any coffee shop, but this one particular is extra douchey. Yes. And not that Apple product users are douches. No. I'm I'm a a, a blindly loyal iPhone user, and I have been since the original. So. Yeah. But this particular coffee shop is. I'm sure everybody listening has been in this, and I'm sure we have listeners who are this type of person, but everybody listening has been in one of these places where, oh, it's my Apple, oh, it's my Mac. I mean, wasn't there, tell the story about the time you were going through security at the airport. Yeah, so, you know, the airport rules are you have to take your, your laptop out of your bag, and you have to put it in a separate bin when it's going through the the scanner, and... The people who don't like to follow the directions to move things along, you know, those people that oh, don't yeah. they don't read the directions before they get up to the line and figure out what they're going to be doing. I'm the kind of person who I already have my laptop out. I already have things organized well, before you, I even get up there. You have your preparers and then your people who fucking need to be herded like cattle and told what to do. Yes. So they need to be cattle prodded with the electronic. Yes. And those are the people who need to be told. Yes. So this cattle woman was going through the line <laughs> and she didn't take her laptop out. And the security guy says, hey, uh, I need you to take that laptop out and put it in a separate bin. And she says, oh, uh, that's oh, a MacBook Pro. Uh, I was going to stop you. Very funny. I was going to stop you and say, oh, hang on. Let's let the audience guess what her response was. And she's not Brittany's not kidding right here. This g- woman, g- younger girl, right? Mm-hmm. College age. Yeah. 20s she with a serious face told the tsa worker the overpaid tsa worker uh no that's not a laptop that's a macbook pro yeah that's pretty much the same thing there lady yeah it is the same thing in the same way that a frappuccino is not a coffee drink yeah See, I'm really desperately trying to bring this full circle. Yeah, you are. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay with. That's why I kind of did the hesitant. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, I have to do it because I'm the co-host, but I don't want to. <laughs> Fucking terrible. Well, it's that type of person. It's yeah. that that spoiled Elliot Roger type of odd. Yeah, well, don't, people people don't know what you mean when you're saying the Elliot Rogers spoiled guy. All they know about Elliot Rogers is that he's a wild misogynist and he hates women. Yeah. So if you could not be which, informative about which, what he really is, that'd be great. Look, that brings it right around. That, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Convenient how that happened, isn't it, audience? Mm. <laughs> that is what you call a segue. And I don't mean the device that you go on boardwalk beach tours. Although those look really fun. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not Steve Wozniak. 
Brittany met Steve Wozniak. On a segue. As an aside, Brittany met Steve Wozniak in the Grove in L.A. And he was atop a segue. With a helmet on. <laughs> and it was Listen, glorious. If you imagine the event and the occasion that you're going to meet Steve Wozniak, isn't it fucking perfect Poetic and beautiful that he would be riding a fucking Segway. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. Goddamn. Uh, anyway, uh, we were talking about Elliot Roger. It's the media has, and I hate doing this, but, oh, the media, the media, the media has completely fucked this story up. They have taken a tragedy and they have ruined Ernest honest truth-telling and storytelling yeah reporting of the news is no longer important it's who's going to get ratings and and who's going to drive revenue through ad sales uh it's the one it's it's the one positive attribute to having having independent media that doesn't that struggles the problem is once they become successful, then they sell ads and then they're the same as, you know, it's the whole Walmart conundrum. Yeah. Every small business starts or every every Walmart starts off as a small business. And that's what happens with media. Yeah. And I think it's very disappointing that every time something big like this happens, a mass shooting, all these talking heads just jump into the screen and they don't even have any information yet. You know, the news has just come out. Right. But yet they have five experts that are on this panel talking about what his issues might be and what happened. And it's uh, yeah, he just shot everybody 30 minutes ago. How do you know what's going on? Let's 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 back it up one. And I want to reintroduce who Elliot Roger is to the audience. Hi, Elliot Roger here. Well, this is my last video. It all has to come to this. Tomorrow is the day of retribution. The day in which I will have my revenge against humanity. Against all of you. For the last eight years of my life, ever since I've hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires, all because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. I'm 22 years old, and I'm still a virgin. I've never even kissed a girl. Let me, let me do a little bit of... Uh explaining it's it's too bad it's posthumously but not every girl who gives her who gives her sex to a dude is also giving her love to a dude yeah there's a lot of filthy tramps out there oh dear <laughs> and that Could goes, be in such a misogynist that place. also goes for men there's a lot of filthy tramp men out there too there's more filthy tramp men than there are women i'm wow that that i think is a debate for another show so I wanted to reintroduce... Goddamn, that is hateful speech. I know, I'm sorry. I need to start a hashtag about how we live in a culture where women can just shit on men. And I'm not talking about German porn either, everybody. <laughs> I'm talking about... Wow, what have you been watching, sir? Hey, what are you talking about? 
You I know have, too much. Listen, I have to do research for the show. How am I going to fucking find out what I know? That is not good research <laughs> that, that you're doing. Listen, that is that is stellar. That's dedication to this to this endeavor. That sounds like a wildly unfortunate sitch. Unfort well, say what you will. It's it's uh I, some people like it, you know. Some, I'm judging. Some I'm judging. Do. Listen, we're 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 collectively digressing here. I I forgot what I was going to say. Unbelievable. The hashtag. Yeah, I hashtag. need to start my own hashtag. Yeah, unbelievable, please. I need to start my own hashtag about how women love to objectify and talk about how men are the only cause for sorrow in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would really take off because, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tweet it because that's pussy shit. But yeah. Oh, wait. I said pussy. That's uh oh. You know, there is a hashtag out there, though, for women to talk about what terrible things they've been enduring. Hashtag. Yes. All women. Yeah, and it started because of this Elliot Roger thing and everything that's been reported in the media. Well, hang on. Hang on. Let's not go there yet. I wanted to first, I wanted to talk about how the media is completely fucking this thing up. And it's not just it's not just uh, this case. It's every single shooting that happens because of the the flawed system that we have with the 24-hour news cycle like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, although like five people watch that channel, so it's not really as a, as much as damaging as it could be. Yeah. Um, there was, I'm only going to pick one. Uh, there were so many to choose from. I'm only going to pick one because it, one, it makes such a mockery of Fox News, which is so easy and so deliciously tantalizing. You're sounding like Elliot Roger again. Am I? Yeah. I'm a magnificent specimen. Yeah. So. There is a psychologist who is a paid Fox Fox News contributor. News. What's her name? Robbie Ludwig. She is, well, I tell you what, let me just tell you a little bit about Robbie Ludwig. Robbie Ludwig got her master's degree from the University of Pennsylvania and her post-master's training and certificate from Hunter College. That's really near, neither here nor there. What the great part about this is, she received her doctorate of psychology from California Southern University, not University of Southern California in Los Angeles, but California Southern University in Irvine, California, which was founded in 1978 as a correspondence school. So this is an online school that she got her doctorate in psychology, and she is espousing such wisdom as this. In this manifesto, he despises women. Mm -hmm. What's going on in this kid's head? Well, it's so interesting. When I was first listening to him, I was like, oh, he's angry with women for rejecting him. And then I started to have a different idea. Is this somebody who's trying to fight against his homosexual impulses? Was he angry with women because they were taking away men from him? But this is a kid who couldn't connect and, and felt enraged and wanted to obliterate anyone that made him feel like a nothing that's what this guy felt like a nothing on 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 the one hand and then there was a grandiosity on the other hand where he's talking about how beautiful he is and how sophisticated he is but clearly a very problematic guy with probably very early signs I don't know I haven't diagnosed him 
early signs of schizophrenia. That's what it sounds like. Well, and, you know, uh, Robbie, one of the things that he talks about in the manifesto was um, I, uh, uh, his mother, apparently, at the end of May, my mother told me uh, that I had to move to Santa Barbara on June 4th. Uh, it sounds a lot of this goes back to his own mother and, you know, his killings were not just of women but of men and women. Right, and, and I think, too, was he angry at the men for not choosing him? This was a kid who was just angry in general and probably felt rejected. He couldn't connect. He couldn't feel loved. He couldn't feel successful. Maybe he couldn't even okay. feel like a real man. First of all, my main issue with this, with the whole media involvement, is they've turned this, if you've read the 140 or 141 pages, which we have, if you've read it, you know that it's not a fucking manifesto. It's more of a memoir that this kid wrote. I'm getting devil eyes right now because I didn't read the quote-unquote manifesto. Brittany did. And she wants all credit and all adulation to go to her. Yes. <laughs> so... It bothers me that the media is going to call this thing a fucking manifesto over and over and over like he's Ted Kaczynski. They're going to they're going to make this guy. Well, Ted Kaczynski, for people who don't know, right, the Unabomber. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You should all know that Ted Kaczynski, my hero, the Unabomber, was the Unabomber. Yeah. So they're going to try to turn this guy into this evil they're going to separate him from society to make him so easy to hate by using words like manifesto. All he did, and it's the, the thing is written chronologically, is it not? Yeah, it starts from birth to his the present last life. Yeah, yeah, the last, but explaining the retribution and all that. Before we move on to his memoir, his life story, not his manifesto. That's not a word we're going to use on the show. Um because it's not apt. It's not correct. Yeah. Do you believe it's a manifesto? No. Um, it's a boring life story. Yeah. It's ter <laughs> terribly written, too. But I'm gonna, I picked out all the super good parts, and you guys are going to get all the highlights. So not only am I angry about the media using the term manifesto, I'm also bothered by the fact that this kind of shit happens. That they get this Robbie Ludwig, or whatever the hell her name is, this correspondence school... This online college lady to talk about how he is showing the early signs of schizophrenia. And I, I don't know. I haven't diagnosed him. But that's where you should shut the fuck up, Robbie. If you've, you don't know, admittedly you don't know. And admittedly you've not diagnosed him because you've never met this person. Then it's probably wise that either you read what he's written to make an educated guess, which you never said you did, or you shut the fuck up. That's what's really unfortunate, too, is that people watch these people and they think, oh, Dr. Robbie Ludwig, she's a psychotherapist. She's a doctor. I should listen to what she's saying. And it's an no. appeal. It's an appeal to authority. It's she's she's obviously an expert in her field. And it's unfortunate that that is the expert that they have on TV where did she get schizophrenia? I read this she... entire thing, and he would have talked about hearing voices. He would have talked about experiencing things that schizophrenics right. experience. There was nothing in there that was like that. Where would she get anything about homosexuality? That's the other thing. That, that is... has to be. I know the audience is like, why aren't they talking about the gay thing? 
where the fuck did she get anything from anything about homosexuality? She obviously didn't read read his detailed fantasies that he masturbates about, which I read in his book. Oh, I can't watch German Scheiße porn and you get to read that? Hmm. Yeah. That's research for the show, but my shit's not. Huh? He really loves tanned skinned, long blonde hair women. That's what he loves. He he feels entitled to them, I think. He loves them. This is this is the other thing that bothers me a lot. We'll we'll let's kick this off. Well, 20 minutes in, we're going to kick this off. <laughs> what really bothers me about the media's coverage of this is the fact that they're missing. Listen, they have access to the same document that he wrote. You don't need to speculate. You can go off of his words. And he wasn't shy about what he wrote. It was 141 pages of abject honesty. Yeah. He talks in detail about how much he masturbates. He talks about being in restaurants and seeing hot women in restaurants and him and whatever fucking friend. I don't did he name the name of the friend? Yeah, his friend got up to go masturbate in the bathroom. Because he saw good-looking women in the restaurant. I mean, this isn't... There is nothing homosexual about this dude. No. Not from what's in here. Yeah. So. So anyway, he starts off... He's Kind of fill us in. Give us the overview. Well, I'm going to start reading quotes from the 15-year-old Mark. Since you read it and I didn't. Yeah. I'm going to start reading quotes from the 15-year-old Mark because... Birth to 15, kind of boring. He's just very spoiled. He comes from wealthy parents. Well, I don't know that I don't know that starting at 15 is is it's where the action starts, but there's a lot that listen, you what we will put a link to this thing on on the Facebook page and if you're interested and I really would strongly advise you to go if you're interested in this story at all to read the actual words that this 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 turd wrote. Um he was he was. He talks about his seventh birthday party where he went to a lobster dinner. I mean, he's 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 a zero, but he's got psychological issues. So I'll I'll be nice. Well, Go and ahead. and it is important to I think to read it because it helps give insight into what is wrong with people like this, and there is something wrong with people that that do this. So. From birth to 15, not a lot happens, all right? So let's start at 15. This is where his personality characteristics really start coming out, okay? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, th- I'm going to read something right here uh, about his a conflict that he had with his stepmother, so-, so Maya, who he very much hates. He hates his stepmother. He had planned to murder her. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. I had heated conflicts with Somaya during every week that I was at father's house. All I wanted to do was play World of Warcraft, and Somaya strictly limited my playtime. Because my new room was just across from hers, she knew what I was doing at every single second. She was breathing down my neck the whole time. She kept making me do chores around the house. I despised doing work around the house, especially since we had a nanny who was supposed to do it. All right? Well, the great thing, we were just talking about this earlier, prior to uh, to recording, and the great thing about this is we can kind of imagine how he would say this and how he would, 
what his thoughts were really pin it down based on his videos that we've been able to watch. Yeah, and I'm sorry I can't do his voice the whole time I'm reading this. Okay, I would love... I'm Elliot Rogers. <laughs> Masturbating in the bathroom. Masturbator extraordinaire. Yeah, so that was 15 that he's talking about. I don't do chores. We have a nanny for that. That's 15 years old. Right. And he's already a spoiled turd. Yeah. Well, he's listen, I'm not I'm not I'm never one to blame um someone's problems in adulthood on their parents. I have my issues with my parents, but I don't blame them. I'm I've made my choices. I've made my bed and I'm going to lie in it. But his parents certainly didn't fucking help him. They spoiled the shit out of this kid. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. A, to- a little all I'm saying is a little adversity would have gone a long way. Go ahead. Let's move on to 17 years old. Now, this is where some of the sex stuff starts coming in. But I think it's important to kind of understand what his issues surrounding sex are, especially since the media is carrying this misogyny thing very far and making it the focal point of what his issues are. Yeah. One day I found some posts on the Internet about teenagers having sex, and I was once again reminded of the life I had been denied. I felt that no girl would ever want to have sex with me, and I developed extreme feelings of envy, hatred, and anger toward anyone who has a sex life. I saw them as the enemy. I felt condemned to live a life of lonely celibacy while other boys were allowed to experience the pleasures of sex, all because girls didn't want me. I felt inferior and undesirable. I began to have fantasies of becoming very powerful and stopping everyone from having sex. I wanted to take their sex away from them, just like they took it away from me. I saw sex as an evil and barbaric act, all because I was unable to have it. This was the major turning point. My anger made me stronger inside. This was when I formed my ideas that sex should be outlawed. It is the only way to make the world a fair and just place. If I can't have it, I will destroy it. He makes some good points there. 17 years old. He makes some good points there because the only way to make the world a fair and just place, it's not income redistribution. It's not, you know, the the, the scourge of disease and poverty. It's not stopping child abuse. Lack of education in certain areas. It's clearly the fact that he's not getting the stank. Okay, wow. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of German porn. Yeah, something's happening to you. (laughs) And that's the thing. People are saying the misogyny thing. That is what they're saying. He hates women. Well, he says right here that he saw anyone who has a sex life as his enemy. Right. It's He's clearly not, for all you yes, all women, hashtag slacktivists, he's clearly not only hating women it's not misogyny it's he can't have sex therefore he hates everyone who has sex yeah so let's move to 18 years old he is now an adult please do an adult listen this is a man a man who can sign contracts he can buy a house he can join the military he no longer needs his he can vote for president of the united states yes adult My mother carried on pressuring me to get a job, and she would never leave me alone about it. After signing me up to a program in the regional center, my mother found a life coach to counsel me and help me find a job. This life coach's name was Tony. I continued searching for a job, but I still wasn't able to find one. I refused all of the jobs that Tony suggested to me. 
The problem was that most of the jobs that were available to me at the time were jobs I considered to be beneath me. My mother wanted me to get a simple retail job, but the thought of myself doing that was mortifying. It would be completely against my character. I am an intellectual who is destined for greatness. I would never perform a low-class service job. My father told me that I could work for his friend Carl for a few weeks to help him build a staircase in his new house. I agreed to take this job. Sure, construction work was lowly and laborious, but this was different. This was more like assisting a friend, and it would be in a private environment. <laughs> can you hear Can you hear that in the distance? That <laughs> That's him tooting his own fucking horn. <laughs> that is what that sound is if you hear that in the distance. Yeah. So... He's 18 years old, has never worked, and retail is beneath him because, mm, I'm an intellectual. Yeah, and he only ah. takes a construction job because it would be helping a friend, and, and it's a it's private. private. Yeah, so no one will see him working construction, so that's okay. Apparently, he's worried about people seeing him when, on the other hand, he talks about how no one sees him, no one looks at him, and... Fuck. Yeah. Right, go ahead. So still 18 years old. He found out that his mother was dating. Uh, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt as is my habit. Yes. We all know. <laughs> um, I want everybody to, from this point forward and in, 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 in reflection, when you're listening to the, the paragraphs Brittany is reading, and if you want to double check for yourself, read it yourself, place what you're hearing in comparison against what you've heard in the media about him being strictly against women and this violence against women and this rape culture, this fucking mantra that you're hearing. Read what you're read what you want to read with within what he wrote, but listen listen to this and compare it against what you're hearing in the media. I'm sorry, go ahead. Still 18 years old, he found out that his mother was dating someone named Jack, a wealthy man who owned a Malibu beach house. He was worth well over $500 million, and he owned other mansions in Bel Air and Beverly Hills. When he found out about this, he started to harbor the hope that his mother would get married to this man. He says, I will be part of a rich family. That will definitely be a way out of my miserable and insignificant life. Money would solve everything. He means more money. Right. He, he comes from a wealthy family, a family filled with nannies and seven-year-old lobster birthday dinners. And constant travel to Europe and all kinds of different uh, locations. He, he talks about early on, he talks, like, in the first fucking page, he talks about how he had traveled to five or six countries before he was four years old or something. Yeah. And how he was already already a world traveler. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so still 18. Now he's starting college. I was very optimistic on the first day. When I walked onto campus, I breathed in the fresh mountain air and admired my surroundings. I was in a new environment with lots of new possibilities. The class I took was a world history class, and it began on a good note. My renewed hope gave me solace for a few days, but it did not last. Moore Park, which is his school, soon became a place of loneliness and despair, just like any other place I've ever attempted to thrive. The breaking point was when I saw a good-looking couple walking along the area where I dreamed of walking with a girlfriend. To watch another boy experience it with a beautiful girl who should have been mine was a living hell. I constantly asked myself what I did wrong in life to be unable to have a beautiful girlfriend. I would love to see this, this fucking kid exist within the confines of an actual living hell. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about, like famine or anything like that just ship this kid ship this kid to air force boot camp yeah 
the the biggest wuss ass bullshit. <laughs> All right, Marine. <laughs> just oh, that's nice. For once, Brittany mentions that I was in the Marine Corps, <laughs> and I don't. That's yes, nice. Yeah. I'm so ship out. this kid to Air Force boot camp. Yeah. And, and see how he. You think he would do okay? Oh my god. No. It'd be a private pile situation all over again, except I don't think the Air Force ever handles guns. Yeah. They're not really the military. They're just, they're like the armed services. They're called that, but they wear Greyhound bus driver uniforms. He'd be like inquiring about where his lobster dinner was and if his nanny could clean his room That's and it, stuff exactly like that. right. Well, all of my World of Warcraft time was cut into with all of this calisthenics. I don't <laughs> understand. Too much exercise. <laughs> Who do they think I am? Okay, so still 18. My mother one day told me that I should become a writer because I had some talent in writing. That was strange to hear. For my whole life, I was never talented at anything I tried. I was too physically weak to play sports with other boys when I was little. I never became a professional at skateboarding no matter how much I practiced. And I was never that skilled at any video games I played, even World of Warcraft. Hey. Sorry. I, sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. It's just I don't... I'm sorry. I'm sure that people are laughing with you. He's a nerd turd. It's just, you he know. He is definitely a nerd turd. Deep down, I've always known that I had no talents, and I've always tried not to think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't think anybody's disagreeing with you. So the most important note he's here. Got a, no, listen. He's got a talent for melodrama. He's got for a sure. talent for. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The important thing to note as we continue going through all this is that. Elliot Roger is the perfect case study into narcissistic personality disorder. And after I finish reading everything about it, I'll review kind of what narcissistic personality disorder yeah, good. is. Good deal. And you guys will see that, I mean, that disorder was created for him. I mean, he's just to or a because T. Of him. To a T. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what he is. Continuing on. He says, my time at college was miserable. I often cried on the way home because I was envious of so many couples walking around. I poured all of my energy into coming up with a way to make my goals work. After asking Tony, my social skills counselor, if I could get a job through the regional center, he called me back and told me that there was a job available for me. I didn't get much information about it, but I decided to sign up for it right then and there. After this was secure, I was comfortable enough to tell my mother that I had dropped my classes at school. I could have lied to her and told her that I never dropped the class, but at the time, I was too scared to lie. I started a day of working at this new job. It was located in an office building that was connected to an airport in Los Angeles. To my horror and humiliation, the job turned out to be a menial custodial job, and I had to clean offices and even the bathrooms. There was no way I would ever degrade myself to such a level. I felt like utter shit from even considering working at such a place. I only worked for a few hours while I thought about how to handle this foul situation. And on the next day, I called to announce that I was quitting. Unless this, I don't know what the problem with cleaning bathrooms is, unless it's like at a German porn studio. <laughs> then I could see why it would be a problem. But a normal office building doesn't seem like it would be too much of a problem. That German porn had quite the effect on you, <laughs> I feel. It's coming up quite a bit. Mm, a lot of stuff coming up. Okay, so... Oh, wow. Okay, still 18 years old, he says, I called up my mother and cried to her. I'm trying to read. I'm trying to read. Okay. Oh. 
I called up my mother and cried to her on the phone, explaining to her why I quit the job that I signed up for and asked her if she would give me another chance. I told her I would register for more classes at school and pour all of my energy into studying hard. I also told her that I will continue working on my writing. To my relief, she was very understanding and told me that she would continue to support me if I did this. And by support, there's a lot of support going on. They're giving him like $1,900 a month toward his share of the rent with two other roommates, which for those of you who aren't in Southern California, isn't rent is a ridiculous you know, two bedroom two bath places where we live right here in LA and Santa Barbara is more expensive are $2,000. Well, he was, that was also when he was going to school in Santa Barbara and that's a college town. So it's probably different. He was like living in the college area. So now he's 19, 19 years old for the rest of the summer. I took it easy and played world of Warcraft with James, Steve and Mark. Yes. He actually has friends just like old times. I also started reading a new book series called A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. R. Martin. What? Oh, hey, what? Wait. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh-oh. Yep. Are you kidding me? You were right. For you those called of, it. For those of you who listened to last episode, I called it. Yes, you did. I may have to go back and pull a drop from last episode. You because, may. Because I said that this guy has clearly read with his melodrama far too much Tolkien and Martin. With his skulls of blood, rivers, his, or what, his, what is he his, talking about? His mountains of skulls yeah. and rivers of blood. Yeah, I don't read it, so, so I So I just want everybody to know that I am a wonderful, talented prognosticator of the highest order. In fact, I might need to go to J the James Randi Foundation right now and go collect... My million dollars. Yeah, there's something paranormal going on with that. Yeah. You should just replace Dr. Robbie Ludwig because obviously you have better yeah. intuition than right. she does. Th that's right. So for all of you Fox News executives who are listening, right here is your <laughs> next Fox News contributor, everybody. News. I've got wild talent at understanding things before they happen. Elliot Roger continues, This medieval fantasy series was spectacular. The first book of the series was A Game of Thrones, and once I read the first chapter, I just couldn't put it down. Mm. Oh, yeah. The class that he started in school was a political science class, he says. I figured I would gain some useful knowledge by taking it, though I disliked the teacher because he had a tendency to randomly call on me to answer questions. I was still terrified of speaking in front of the class, even if it was just for one sentence. My social anxiety has always made my life so difficult, and no one ever understood it. I hated how much everyone else seemed to have no anxiety at all. I was a cripple compared to them. Their lives must be so much easier. Thankfully, there were no couples in this class, but I still had to see them when I walked through the school. The only thing I could do was keep my head down and pretend they didn't exist. I still cried on the drive home every day. For those, I mean, you, I'm 19 I'm, years old. Everybody. Yeah, I'm assuming everybody's not read this or many people have not read this. Listen, I'm a crier and I cry at Volkswagen commercials and I cry at Google Chrome commercials. I'm a crier. This gentleman, and he is a fancy gentleman, he cries a lot, and he describes crying a lot. And also, I just want to reinforce that he describes being angry, or he's glad there's no couples in the class. His perception of the world 
is clearly very different from everyone else's. He's not just hating women, hating women, hating women. He's hating everyone. Yes. He didn't like his teacher because he fucking called on him. Yeah. He's hating everyone that reminds him of how inferior he is and how insecure he feels. So now we're getting to the point where this is where he decides to move to Santa Barbara. His parents convince him, listen, you need to do something. We're going to move you to Santa Barbara. So he says, in truth, the move to Santa Barbara was actually a chance that I was giving to the world, not the other way around. I was giving the world one last chance to give me the life that I know I'm entitled to, the life that other boys are able to live with ease. There's a lot of entitled to bullshit in the 140 pages here. Yeah. And as you'll see, he says, the life that other boys are able to live with ease. He's filled with envy of other men. They're able to live. What he doesn't understand is that They've developed the life. You don't walk. It's not like you're you walk into kindergarten class and it's trumpets sounding at your at your entrance to the. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a gradual understanding of social interaction. I wonder if that's what he heard when he walked into rooms. He he may have. I feel like he did. Yeah. He probably heard the Game of Thrones theme. Yeah. While walking in. Yeah. Yeah. What? What is it? Wiener, wiener. Nah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, 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 it's almost nah, nah. like he just wished he could like sit in the throne everywhere he went probably. He just imagined A that throne. A giant throne, throne of swords. Yeah, yeah. What's the name of it? I know you know. The Iron Throne. The Iron Throne. That's right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Go ahead. Continue. He says, if I still have to suffer the same rejection and injustice even after I move to Santa Barbara, then that will be the last straw. I will have my vengeance. So there he goes, starts entertaining the violence. Yeah, so he's already planning, plotting, considering the fact that something terrible might take place at his hand. Okay, so now we've entered part six, Santa Barbara, the end game, he calls it. That's this, what he that, what he titled that chapter? Yeah, this is age 19 to 22. So he moves in on Saturday, June 4th, 2011, And I was introduced to two new housemates who would only be there for one week. One of them was named Artem, a quiet Russian student who went to UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. And the other, whose name I don't remember, was a tall, blonde, surfer-type boy who went to Santa Barbara Community College. I was annoyed at how tall and attractive he was, though. I didn't show it. I'm sure he didn't show it. He Very frequently throughout this, he talks about, one, his... He's short. He's short. He's very insecure about his height. Yeah. Um, he's Asian. Starting from a young age, he's very he's insecure. He's half Asian. He's half Chinese, so I don't know. He calls himself Eurasian. Yeah, Eurasian, right. Yeah. And, well, that's how... I think Tiger Woods probably coined the best bullshit on the Oprah show when he called himself Coblin-Asian. Mm. Caucasian, black, Asian. It seems more... That seems more dirty. Coblin-Asian. Yeah. So he's Eurasian. Yes, that's what he says. The very first night was traumatic and gave me a very bad taste about everything. Through my window, I heard a lot of students partying outside, and I wondered, with a great amount of fear, how I would ever be able to join in on their fun. That was the reason I was there, after all. I didn't think I was capable of it. 
Later in the night, I heard a boy and a girl having sex in the apartment above me. Just knowing that other young men get to enjoy the pleasures of sex while I get none of it has always filled me with envious rage, as well as bitter hatred toward the world. But to actually hear them doing it, that was even more traumatizing. Okay, so, hang, sorry, I'm sorry. Again, re- read that last line again, not the traumatizing, but the, the boys. Hating the boys, he, he's... he's just knowing that other young men get to enjoy the pleasures of sex while I get none of it has always filled me with envious rage, as well as bitter hatred towards the world. Envious rage toward the boys who are having sex. Envious rage and bitter hatred toward the world. He, in that, he did not talk about women at all. He did not talk about the women who weren't giving him sex, which he does a lot. He does, for sure. But... He talks in, I think, in equal proportion, he talks about how much he hates the whole entire fucking world. Yeah. So this was very traumatizing for him to hear people having sex. Apparently, he's not watching German porn. Is that some people love that? He's missing out, I'm telling you. I was prepared for this, however, hearing people have sex. I had done a lot of research about college life in the town of Isla Vista, and I knew that students had a lot of sex there. Just there, oh, though, damn, everybody. Right. Just in Isla Vista. Really? I had. Any- I know. Listen, I, I've heard all kinds of stories, and <laughs> it's kind of weird. I've heard that there's so much sex going on in Isla Vista. All the neighboring cities, it's like a Puritan community where nobody <laughs> has sex, but Isla Vista is like a fucking community of orgy. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I had an inkling of a suspicion that I would eventually... Wait a minute. He had an inkling of a suspicion. Yeah, he's a talented writer. It's not a suspicion. He had an inkling. Is It's like, oh, wait. It's it, You know what it's like? It's like... A, it's like uh, Lloyd Christmas on on Dumb and Dumber. He's like, oh wait, yep, I had an idea. It's <laughs> he, this guy. He, this kid is Lloyd Christmas. Yeah, everybody loves Dumb and Dumber. So mm, everybody does love Dumb and Dumber, except for you, turd. I had an inkling of a suspicion that I would eventually hear or even see people doing such things if I lived in that environment. Mm, all the sex. All right, now on. here's where it gets good, everybody, because this is something that no one is talking about. In this manifesto, in his uh, story, uh, I'm sorry, in his we're story, in his memoir, in his memoir, he is profoundly racist. You know what? Awesome. And actually, I'm so glad you're going to read this. While I've been sitting here, though, I just want to make a note. I found another reference of awesome not awesome of of very a lot of racism happening in the clip wow the truth is coming out it's (laughs) shining right through everybody just heard what you said i didn't mean it i didn't mean it okay so do you want to hear about this profound racism here i want to hear about the awesome racism (laughs) i know (laughs) i didn't mean that okay My first week turned out to be very unpleasant, leaving a horrific first impression of my new life in Santa Barbara. My two housemates were nice, but they kept inviting over this friend of theirs named Chance. He was a black boy who came over all the time, and I hated his cocksure attitude. Hang on. Hang on. First of all, he must be lying, because I don't think there's a black man alive named Chance. (laughs) Yeah. Secondly, cocksure attitude... He must be watching a lot of news. Yeah. Cocksure. But seriously, a black guy named Chance. 
this guy's easy. A black to, boy. This excuse black me. dude is easy to tra- track down because he is the only black human being alive named Chance. Mm-hmm. He'd be easy to find. Go yeah. ahead. Inevitably, a vile incident occurred between me and him. I was eating a meal in the kitchen when he came over and started bragging to my housemates about his success with girls. I couldn't stand it, so I proceeded to ask them all if they were virgins. They're 19 at this point. They all looked at me weirdly and said that they had lost their virginity long ago. I felt so inferior as it reminded me of how much I have missed out on in life. And then this black boy named Chance said that he lost his virginity when he was only 13. In addition, he said that the girl he lost his virginity to was a blonde white girl. I was so enraged that I almost splashed him with my orange juice. I told him that I did not believe him, and then I went to my room to cry. I cried and cried and cried, and then I called my mother and cried to her on the phone. It's a lot of crying. How could an inferior, ugly black boy be able to get a white girl and not me? I am beautiful, and I am half-white myself. I am descendant from British aristocracy. He is descendant from slaves. I deserve it more. Un. Believable. What's unbelievable is what's the the topic du jour right now is this rape culture thing. It's this feminine the the the, the feminist movement relative to a misogynist society that is controlling how men grow up and treat women. And so because that's popular, the media is not picking up on this racist bullshit at all. They're, they're not discussing the fact that he not only talks about this black boy who's, who's descended from slaves. Inferior, ugly black boy. Un, they're not talking about this inferior, ugly black boy who is descended from slaves. And he goes on further to talk about some dirty Mexican, dark-skinned Mexican. They're not talking about that at all because what's popular now is rape culture. What's popular now is yes, all women hashtag. It's it's a disservice to individuals in America and the world who watch the news and want unbiased opinion. Just report what the fuck is going on. Yeah, so he continues, if this is actually true, if this ugly black filth was able to have sex with a blonde white girl at the age of 13 while I've had to suffer virginity all my life, then this just proves how ridiculous the female gender is. They would give themselves to this filthy scum, but they reject me, the injustice. Mm, injustice. So he goes on to talk about one of his roommates being very social and talkative and that Although, they, they start <clears throat> conversations with me. Hang on, hang on. I want to say this. Um... He would, uh, he'd, he'd fancy you. Mm. Elliot Roger would really fancy Brittany Page. Yeah. Because she is a tall, well, he might hate you because you're taller than him. No, he does like tall blondes. Oh, tall, tan blondes. Yeah, I'm not well, tan. Well, you're not tan. Yeah, not you're tan. You're more translucent, but. Yeah, I'm very pale. And tomato you're, you're like times. a giant blonde, six, five foot ten jellyfish. You're almost see-through. <laughs> you're so wow, fucking Wow, what a prick. <laughs> Me or Elliot? You. Oh, okay. Elliot's cool. <laughs> All right, so he goes on to talk about one of his roommates being very social and starting conversations with him, and he likes that because he welcomes social interaction in his lonely life, he says. 
And he also continues to talk about how this is his new chance to start a new life. He felt a surge of confidence. And that's something that you'll notice if you go through and read this is that he often feels a surge of confidence and then something simple will just ruin that for him. And he will go back to feeling terrible. And then a week later, he'll get the surge back and he'll feel super good again. So I don't want to diagnose that, but we might be able to figure that out. So this is another instance of racism. Here we go. My father drove up to Santa Barbara to meet me a few days later. The two of us went to have lunch at a restaurant in an area that I often frequented. When we sat down at our table, I saw a young couple sitting a few tables down the row. The sight of them enraged me to no end, especially because it was a dark-skinned Mexican guy dating a hot, blonde, white girl. I regarded it as an insult to my dignity. How could an inferior Mexican guy be able to date a white, blonde girl while I was still suffering as a lonely virgin? I was ashamed to be in such an inferior position in front of my father. When I saw the two of them kissing, I could barely contain my rage. I stood up in anger and was about to walk up to them and pour my glass of soda all over their heads. I probably would would have if my father wasn't there. I was seething with envious rage and my father was there to watch it all. It was so humiliating. Life is so cruel to me. Modern day Hemingway, everybody. What a wonderful writer. I would like God everyone. Damn. It's like a drinking game. So take a drink every time he thinks about splashing a liquid on somebody or he actually does. Don't and you'll do be it. hammered by the yeah, end of this. Don't do it because you will, it will probably die from alcohol poisoning. One more victim at the hands of... Of Elliot Roger. He loves to pour things on people and fantasize about pouring things on Are people. Are you going to read the, 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 the bus stop story? I sure am. All right. Another incident happened on the following day near the same location. I went to Starbucks. I ordered my coffee, sat down in one of their chairs to relax. A few moments later, when I looked up from my drink, I saw a young couple standing in line. Uh-oh, everybody. He saw a couple... The two of them were kissing passionately. The boy looked like an obnoxious punk. Hang on. I want to say this, that a lot of this that goes on in what he's written is, I believe, his perception of what happened. Yeah. I think that, listen, I've been in Starbucks and different coffee shops, as we mentioned at the opening of the show, um, many, many, many times. And I don't know that I've ever seen anyone kiss passionately in a coffee shop. I've seen it in bars and alcohol-fueled makeout sessions, but I've never seen two individuals furiously, passionately make out in a coffee shop. I think he perceives any kind of sexual contact, any kind of peck on the cheek or even a kiss, a mouth-to-mouth kiss, as passionate because he's never had any kind of physical contact. Well, and it's evident that he just has a warped perception of everything because he's a narcissist. Yes, So, the boy looked like an obnoxious punk. He was tall and wore baggy pants. The girl was a pretty blonde. They looked like they were in the throes of passionate sexual attraction to each other, rubbing their bodies together and tongue kissing in front of everyone. I was absolutely livid with envious hatred. When they left the store, I followed them to their car and splashed my coffee all over them. The boy yelled at me and I quickly ran away in fear. I was panicking as I got in my car and drove off, shaking with rage-filled excitement. I had never struck back against my enemies before, and I felt a small sense of spiteful gratification for doing so. I hated them so much. Even though I splashed them with my coffee, he was still the 
the winner. He was going home to have passionate, heavenly sex with his beautiful girlfriend. And I was going home to my lonely room to sleep alone in my lonely bed. I had never felt so miserable and mistreated in my life. I cursed the world for condemning me to such suffering. And then he goes on to talk about uh, stripping the skins off their flesh. Sounds like he really hates women and not every fucking human who's not him. Yeah, so he splashed liquid again, everybody. Just take a drink uh, in case you missed it. Yeah, we should have started that at the beginning of the show. Yeah, well, sometimes we aren't good, good at stuff. <laughs> okay, so he goes on to talk about obnoxious drunk boys were chatting up pretty girls, and I wondered with great panic if they would be having sex together in the night. I often fantasized about barging into their rooms while they had sex and slashing them to death with my knife, so he's not very nice. Um... One time, I was walking across the huge bridge that connected the two campuses. I passed a girl I thought was pretty and said hi as we neared each other. She kept on walking and didn't even have the grace to respond to me. How dare she? That foul bitch. I love that phrase, by the way. That's like the best thing ever. I felt so humiliated that I went to one of... <laughs> that I went to that one... That foul bitch. Yeah. It's so a foul bitch. It's so Game of Thrones, I feel like. <laughs> I felt so humiliated that I went to one of the school's bathrooms, locked myself in a toilet stall, and cried for an hour. An hour? That's a lot of crying in a public bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's, he does a lot of crying, so you can tell he's a little emotionally unstable. Okay, so we're moving into 20 years old now. Wait, I do a lot of crying, and I'm not emotionally unstable. No, I mean, he's running into bathroom stalls to cry in public, and he calls his mom and cries on the phone for an hour. That's, that's abnormal for a 19-year-old man, yeah, a 20-year-old yeah, yeah. man. I mean, that's, it's a little concerning. If I had a son who was doing that at that age, I'd, I'd be very concerned about that. In November, he had a brief friendship with two guys and a group, and he often saw on Facebook that they did things together without inviting him, which he says is the same thing that happens with other groups of friends in the past. He's always been an outcast, even among people he knows, and he grew tired of their lack of consideration for him, so they stopped calling. He stopped calling them. So that's he's showing jealousy even with friends right. that they're going and doing things without him. And he can't because he's mal- he can't handle that. He's maladjusted. Yeah. So everybody, listen. Everybody has a friend. Everybody has a friend who is whiny and complainy and is a he's a downer. They are a downer. He or she, and they don't get invited to things because they're such a pain in the ass because of they're bringing everybody down all the time. Yeah. That's this. That's who this kid is. Well, we're over halfway through this thing by now where we are in reading this and you know he is when he talks about how he said hi to this girl she can tell i'm sure she could have was able to tell by looking at him when he said hi to her that these thoughts are rumbling around in his head he feels this way there's no way for you to feel this way and constantly be obsessing over these thoughts and not have it be conveyed outward into the world for sure and so he thinks that this is a that there's a certain perception he's giving to the world, but it's not it's not what other people are seeing because people are probably seeing someone who's disturbed, someone who looks disturbed, behaves disturbed, and that that freaks people out. Absolutely. And if you say hi to a girl and she can see that you seem disturbed or creepy, 
She's well, not going to be into listen, greeting you back. Uh, this might not be scientific and this might not be factual relative to something measurable, but women are very intuitive. They they pick up on minor, very slight social cues, and this guy is not getting it done in the correct way. Yeah, so these next ones I'll start reading. He's 20 years old. He starts becoming very obsessed with his appearance, and this is an important one too, I think. I became more and more obsessed with my appearance because my mother, father, and grandmother constantly paid me extra money now that I was living in Santa Barbara. Yeah. I had saved up... Good job. Good job, immediate family. Good job. I had saved up enough money to indulge in this obsession. Familiarizing myself with all the top designer brands, I bought new clothes every time I visited my hometown. My favorite brands were Hugo Boss and Armani. I always stopped by the shopping center on my way back home. He went to his mother's house for break. He, then he went back to Santa Barbara to give his life a new try, another try. So here he is. He felt down. He went to visit his mom. He came back to school with a you know renewed sense of hope, like he says over and over again, to give his life another try. He went with friends to uh, the Getty Museum. We visited the Getty Museum to admire the brilliant scenery and architecture. While there, I overheard my friend Philip telling my friend Addison that some girls were checking him out. Feeling jealous, I asked Philip if any of those girls checked me out, and he had the audacity to say no. None of them did. I felt so heartbroken that I left the two of them and cried to myself, ruining my whole experience at the museum. How could girls check out Addison but not me? I asked myself repeatedly as I tried to hide my tears from people who walked by me. I walked out to the edge of the grand terrace of the museum, looking out at the city lights of Los Angeles, as well as the stars above. In that moment, I fell into a sort of despair-ridden trance, contemplating my reason for existing in this universe, and what was in store for my future. It was a very ominous and surreal experience. I calmed down when we left the museum and acted cordial. I didn't want to spoil the night with my emotional problems. We decided to have dinner at a restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. At the restaurant, there were three hot model-like girls who sat a few tables down from us. Their bodies looked so sexy and tantalizing that Philip had to go to the bathroom to masturbate. I was itching to do the exact same thing. When I got home, I began to cry because of all the emotions I had experienced that night. Wow. Well, first of all, what kind of fucking friends is he hanging around that they're going to jerk off at the very sight of attractive women in a restaurant. He can't stop himself from going to masturbate while sitting in a restaurant. Yeah. It makes me wonder if this Addison kid, the Ad is that who did it, Addison? If Addison actually did that or he assumed that he did it because... Philip is the one that went to the Phillip, bathroom. Or because Philip did it um, because he went to the bathroom or something. I mean, yeah. goddamn. I don't know. There's no way to really tell because this kid's perception is so fucking off point. Yeah, for sure. He says, I arrived back in Santa Barbara with a renewed, carefully constructed sense of confidence, especially because of the new collection of designer clothes I had bought over winter break. I tried to adopt a sophisticated and suave persona and made my accent sound more eloquent. Whoa, wait, what? He, he, he like pulled a Madonna. He changed his accent. He's Kathleen Turner, apparently, everybody. He didn't change it so much as try to make it sound more eloquent, he says. Mm, eloquent. Mm -hmm. So he didn't walk in, hello, governor. I doubt it. You know? No, he All doesn't right. seem like that. He seems like, <laughs> I'm Elliot Roger. Uh, hello, I'm Elliot Roger. 
I don't G'day, think, sir. I don't think he would think that that's attractive to other people. <laughs> I mean, I... Well, maybe had he talked like that, we wouldn't be facing the situation we're facing now. Yes, that's no. true. Yeah, maybe so. Because he would have gotten laid a lot. Oh, yeah. Chicks dig British accents. Mm. Hello. An incident happened at the end of January. That Fancy a spot of tea. An incident happened. <laughs> I'm trying to read. Okay. An incident happened at the end of January that changed his, you know, new attitude of, of optimism and happiness. Mm. Well, that seems to happen every five minutes. Yeah. I one day discovered that Spencer, his roommate, had a girl in his room. I couldn't believe it. The short, chubby guy was able to get a girl into his room before I did. I was so shocked and outraged that I waited outside his room until the girl left so I could get a glimpse of how she looked. To my relief, she wasn't that attractive. What made me even more angry is that Spencer gave me a smug look when I saw the girl, even though she was ugly. He had the nerve to feel like he was better than me just because he managed to get a girl over to the apartment before I did. I confronted him in the kitchen on the same night, telling him that he is foolish to feel proud about having an ugly whore in his room. Wow. He's a he's a people pleaser. Pretty bold for a guy who's crying because he's a virgin on a regular basis. Well, he's he's a virgin because well, I mean, there's many reasons we can get to this when we wrap it up. But he he's a virgin because he's not relatable. He's not relating to other human beings. Yeah, for sure. And also, just like jobs, he's expecting a CEO position. He never yeah. <laughs> he never wants an opening an entry level job. He wants top notch. I am an intellectual and blah 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 blah. blah. He he's never wanting. Look, you got to start somewhere, buddy. Uh, we're about to get there, so keep that in the forefront, everybody, about how he just wants a CEO job immediately. Okay, and it has to do with the lottery. So he goes on to talk about how you know he tried to feel better again after this incident because he really is trying to change his life. On the morning of his first day of class, he donned his fabulous Armani Exchange shirt and put on my new Gucci sunglasses that my mother gave me. I admired myself in the mirror for a few moments and began to feel a surge of enthusiasm. I wanted everyone to see me looking like that. I was hopeful that some girls would admire me. I said to myself that there was no way I could possibly have trouble getting with girls now. I stopped by at Starbucks to buy a latte and set off for my college with the confidence that I would appear as a superior gentleman to all of the students there. Superior gentleman. I was a superior gentleman. That was what I was born to be, and it was now time to show it to the world. I immediately went to the restroom once he got to school to look at myself in the mirror a few times just so that I can be more self-assured. Yes, I thought, I am the image of beauty. I kept saying it over and over again as if it was my mantra. As I passed by a group of girls, I pretended to imagine that they secretly adored and wanted me. After all, this is how it was meant to be. The more I walked around the campus, the more I tried to convince myself that this was the case. My first class, I waited until everyone was seated before I walked in. I came in through the front entrance so that everyone could see my fabulous self. To my utter dismay, I saw that no one turned their head to look at me at all. Wow. Unbelievable. A lot of staring at yourself in the mirror and talking about how beautiful you are. What a shocker that you come in late and people are focused on class and not you in your Armani Exchange shirt. Yeah. So... I'm not going to read this whole thing, but here's another instance where he splashes coffee on two girls drinking who it, drinking it up, who don't uh, 
like him. They don't. He smiles at them from his car and they don't smile back. So he makes a U-turn and splashes his coffee all over them. And he says that it's unfortunate it wasn't too hot to hurt them. So that's pretty cool. So then he starts to meditate to try to come up with ways to get rich because he decides that he's either going to get rich and that will solve his problems or he's going to do the retribution and kill people. His perception of every single fucking thing in his life is off kilter. He doesn't understand that by many people's standard, the money that his family has makes him rich. He grew up a rich kid. Having $500 million is not just rich. That is filthy rich. That is uber rich. Goddamn. Yeah, so he becomes obsessed with ways to get rich. He starts thinking about inventing something, starting a great business, or his original idea of writing an epic fantasy story that could be made into a movie. Martin! But he, he decides the better option is to win the Mega Millions lottery. That seems logical. I mean, that is the better option. If you're going to get rich, what's the best way to get rich, if you think? Is it create something, make a product, sell something, write something? It's it's clearly lottery. Yeah, well, it's obviously work three hours at a janitor job and then win the lottery. I mean... That's the only work you've ever done in your life. And clearly. then win the lottery. Yeah. So the first time he tries to play, he spends 50 to $100 on tickets, and he gets profoundly frustrated that he doesn't win. God damn. As it keeps rising. 50 to $100. As it keeps rising, he says he's so desperate to live a satisfying life that he spent $400 on tickets. Well, $400 on lottery tickets. When he failed to win the $290 million jackpot, he then spent $500 on tickets. Ugh. He still didn't win. Then it got higher, and he just continued to try to win this, imagining that it was his destiny to win the lottery. Seems rational and sane. So He clearly has severe mental issues related to both perception of himself, perception of the world, and perception of how the world perceives him. For sure. Goddamn. So, 21 years old, in August, I continued to build up my faith that I am destined to win the Mega Millions jackpot. It is the future that was meant for me. The perfect, happy conclusion to the tragic life I've had to experience in the past. Now, I would like to note that I read this this thing, and nowhere in here did I see physical abuse, sexual abuse, or even verbal abuse by his parents. Right. So, not a lot of trauma in his life. I mean, he was bullied at times by students, um, which evidently was traumatic for him because mm-hmm. it, it obviously shaped his worldview or very he, much. Or what he perceived as, as bullying. And Because he has a perception problem, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, so for him to say that his life has been so terrible, it's just kind of, it's very insulting to people who have actually had... Have actually overcome challenges. Yeah, yeah. and have had to endure terrible things. So he continues to try to win the lottery. He drives to Arizona twice to try to win the lottery in Arizona. He spends hundreds of dollars on lottery tickets regularly. So a a total of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So 21 years old, he finally decides that he, you know, can't do college anymore. 
I didn't even bother to register for classes this semester. There's no point. I believed that I would either fulfill my dream of becoming wealthy at a young age in order to be worthy enough to attract beautiful women or exact my revenge upon the world and die in the process to escape punishment. There was no other path for me. Of course, it's it's admitted cowardice too, and to die in the process to avoid punishment, to avoid punishment. Right. Of course, I registered for some classes, but only to keep the pretense to my parents that I was still attending college. If they somehow found out that I had dropped my classes right after registering for them, they would have stopped all their support of me and my life would have to end right then and there. Thankfully, I am a good liar. And earlier he said, I wasn't a good liar yet. Admitting the fact that he's becoming a good liar. Yeah, so the rest of it from here on out is he he gets pretty uh, sick and he starts to really plan the retribution and he goes into detail. But there was one more racist thing that I wanted to read. Oh, yeah. How could an ugly Asian attract the attention of a white girl while a beautiful Eurasian like myself never had any attention from them? So he hates Asians, blacks, and Mexicans. And dark-skinned Mexicans. It's... I mean, obviously, we're getting to a point here that it is not his hatred solely of women. Clearly, it is. But it is it is not solely that. It is It is his hatred of men, of women, of blacks, of Mexicans, of anyone who has it better than him. Yeah, and here's what the media is doing. They're doing a disservice to people because this is the perfect opportunity to have a great conversation about mental health and what actually is going on with this kid. So instead of Robbie Ludwig going on Fox news and talking about how these are probably suppressed homosexual urges or, you know, whatever else she said, I already forgot because it's so inconsequential. They it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's not inconsequential. It's just unthought out. She's just, she's trying to say something that she believes maybe the executives at Fox news would want her to say and listen we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up but i want to say look we've made some jokes and of course you know i'm I'm gonna make off-color jokes and there's a lot of things that can be perceived as funny and and laughable about this guy's outlook but he's mentally ill he has a legitimate mental illness that whether or not he was able to understand right from wrong, I believe he was. But it's not an evil thing. It's he had something fucking wrong with his brain. And all the jokes aside and all the laughter aside, he's he's broken. And instead of trying to make it a cultural thing in talking about misogyny, absolutely, we That's need to be awesome focusing point. on what the real problem is. That is an awesome And starting point. a constructive conversation about where to go from here. Now, I'm going to read to everybody. We've talked about narcissism before in one of the earlier podcasts. And a lot of people think that narcissists really feel good about themselves. And we had kind of talked about that that's not the case. They actually feel empty. So... A real narcissist is dissociated from his or her true self. He feels haunted by chronic feelings of loneliness, emptiness, and self-loathing, and seeks to replace that disconnection with a sense of worth and importance fueled by others. 
Narcissism is also marked by a profound lack of empathy, a fundamental inability to understand and connect with the feelings of others. Taken together, these are the traits psychologists measure in diagnosing narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. These traits, the profound lack of self-knowledge and the inability to experience an empathetic connection with others, force narcissistic individuals to fixate on the reactions of others in order to shore up their own sense of self. For the narcissist, the whole world is a mirror. Life is spent in constant pursuit of a gratifying reflection, a beautiful self-image to help stave off feelings of internal emptiness. That very aptly and very succinctly sums up Elliot Roger. Yeah. And so instead of talking about his possible homosexual impulses or misogyny, why don't we talk about how people become narcissistic and what what what's going on with people that that have these personality traits? You know what I mean? And yeah, things that yeah. actually matter because there's something that can be done here. There's something that we can learn about here. And the media is talking about misogyny. Everyone's posting about misogyny. This is way more than misogyny. This guy, to just say that he's just a misogynist? Right. It's, it's cheating progression. It, it, is, it, is, it is not doing a solid relative to what we can learn about the situation. It's also saying... Mental health. It's also saying this is normal. This is how men are. This is what women no, have to endure. That's a great point. And I, this is not normal. Elliot Roger is abnormal. He is a minority. Not like that. Yeah, He's yeah. in the minority. <laughs> he has an illness. He has a sickness. There's something wrong with his brain. He can't connect with other people. Right. He doesn't have empathy. His entire it, it, it feelings you, of self-worth depend on other people's perceptions. It makes you wonder if, and this is more kind of a nature-nurture thing, if he had been born into a more impoverished family, would he would have he developed differently? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it, his. It's it's the perfect storm of shitty things. Yeah, he was he he was he's got this brain type, and he's raised in a wealthy family, and his parents just spoil him, and everything together made this situation what it is. Yeah, perfect storm. But it's not just misogyny. No. It's not just rape culture. It's not just hashtag yes all women. It's not. Yeah. It is a more complex situation than that. Like everything fucking is. Like the mantra on this show, the far, far right is wrong. The far, far left is wrong. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And this situation is no different. It is somewhere in the middle. This kid is broken. Whether or not it's a justified, from the perspective of reality, it's clearly not justified that he feel this way, but he felt this way because of his broken brain. It's, it's a tragedy that all these people had to die. It's even more of a tragedy that he died and we're not able to fucking do any research to find out through MRI scans of his brain or something what the fuck was going on? It's a bummer. But let's not just chalk it up and, and just let the media run rampant with this thing to say that it's just because he's a misogynist. Oh, he just hates women because they wouldn't they wouldn't let him rape them or have sex with them. And well, everyone who posted that hashtag, go read his go read the memoir. 
Go yeah. read it. Yeah. And I think that it, everyone's just taking what they're being told and running with it. And go read that thing. I read some of the parts to you, but go read the whole thing. And you will get the full picture of what's really wrong with the this The full picture. And there's a lot to it that we didn't read. There's a lot to it that is important, that is valuable information relative to his development and his mental state and his attitude that we didn't get to. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, it's terrible stuff, but it's... Look, any information, good or bad, is good information because it, it, it paints the picture. It furthers your understanding. It's, it's good. So we're going to wrap it up with that. Look, this has probably been our, a record-setting episode. <laughs> I really want to thank Brittany. I do want to thank Brittany. She's not knowing I'm going to say this, but thank you for taking the time for reading the 141 pages of Drivel. Um, I do it for everybody, all the listeners. Yeah, that's it's awesome. It, it was, you know, I didn't have the willpower to get through it. You did. And we very much, for the audience, I want to thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Niels. Niels and Colent. So for that, we're going to wrap it up. We want to do a little house cleaning, housekeeping at the beginning, house cleaning at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, listen, if you listen to the show, and you're a regular listener and you have not rated and reviewed the show on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever whatever vehicle by which you listen to the show, please rate and review the show. We are we're making a tremendous stride relative to to uh, listenership. We are it's almost exponential growth. It is almost exponential growth. I, there's no other way to say it. So we love you for listening. We appreciate you for listening. And we're going to be here as long as you're listening. So for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It. Happy birthday, Katie. Happy birthday, Katie. Fancy a spot of tea.